Welcome to the Strategy and Leadership Podcast, the podcast that brings you practical advice, lessons, and stories from senior leaders and thought leaders from around the world. The Strategy and Leadership Podcast is brought to you by SME Strategy, working with organizations around the world to create and implement their strategic plans. To learn more, visit smestrategy.net. And now, your host, Anthony Taylor. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, folks and people to today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. My name is Anthony Taylor. I'm your host. I am the managing partner of SME Strategy. We facilitate strategic planning sessions and train and develop leadership teams. And today, my guest is Matt Cowell, who is the CEO of QuantHub. Matt, how's it going today? Good, Anthony. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to the conversation. I'm excited to chat. So, you know, as I mentioned in our interlude, one of the things we do is train leadership teams and make sure that they are supported in their ability to lead and execute strategy. Matt, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about what QuantHub does and how what you do ties into developing people to their fullest potential? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So we uh, we are are passionate about people being successful and and uh, leading teams to be successful. And one of the the big gaps that we see in the world today is around data skills. And and so we are a data skill platform. We have an assessment platform for data skills that helps organizations hire well if they're filling like data science, data engineering roles. And we also have a data skill um, upskilling platform that really is is a platform focused across the entire enterprise, helping each and every person acquire the necessary data skills to sort of participate in the modern workforce, you know, where, where we're surrounded by data. And um, I like to say that data skills aren't optional in the modern workforce. And, you know, so when it comes to leaders thinking into the future and, and you know, preparing their organizations for the future, if they're not thinking about data skills and, and being more data driven, then um, they, they might want to start doing that soon. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, as I was thinking about this, I was like, okay, data skills. Now there's like data engineers, like, and I call, I would, in my mind is like specialists and then generalists. <laughs> right. So how, yeah. do, how do you, and how does your company view kind of the range of data skills from, you know, beginner to expert and, and why should our listeners, you know, even be thinking about data skills as part of their, you know, training stack or training development uh, flow? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I, when when people think about data skills, they immediately go to, "Oh, that's not me. I just need to hire a specialist." And 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 that's just kind of where all of our our minds go immediately. Is that okay? Well, I need to get an analytics team, and then they do all the data work, and everybody else just does their their role. But the reality of the of the modern organization is that it can't be that way. Um, so think about marketing and the transition marketing has has gone through over you know, maybe the last 10, 15 years and think about how data-driven marketing is now. You know, marketing is almost like a science now, right? It's not just an art and it's become a science because of data. So people are doing A-B testing. They're um, they're really using data to identify their, their best targets. They're looking at at you know conversions in the marketing funnel and, and they're looking at the data to, to see 
what's happening there. Why are some converting at a higher clip than others? And and the entire organization is now like that HR, you know, trying to figure out where your best hires are coming from. What's the retention rate in the in the hiring funnel? Do you have people dropping out in certain steps of the of the hiring process? Why is that? And so all of these things are questions. The way I like to think about using data across the workforce is how do we ask questions, good questions, and answer those questions with data? And so that's when when I think about being data-driven, that's what it is to me. I want to ask questions about what's happening in the business and then answer those questions with data. And that's not an analytics job. That's a marketing analyst job. That's an HR analyst job. That's a financial analyst job. That's a sales person's job. It's all of us, right? And so that's, it's not just these highly technical roles. It's right. It's actually each and every one of us. But Matt, what if I make all of my decisions based with my gut? Well, you could, you might be lucky. <laughs> so yeah, I, you know, I think there's also a misnomer that now you become a robot and you make all decisions with data and you overanalyze everything. I still think intuition is important. The way I think about that is I, I like to be intuitive, but I, I want to, I want that intuition to be backed up with data, you know, so I want my intuition to be informed by data consumed. So I start developing an intuition around what's happening in my business or in the market or with a certain segment of customers or a certain opportunity in the market. But I want that intuition to be informed by some analysis that I've done that is is based on data. I don't think you need to be paralyzed by it and and have data to make every decision. Um, That's I don't think that's the goal. Um, But, you know, and not having any data and just making it on gut may work out, but I think you're, you have a higher chance of success by informing your intuition with data. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it, and it adds a robustness to your data set. I mean, when I was looking, I was watching just a quick hockey game or a soccer game, actually, and it was 10 minutes in. And then this little thing popped up in the right-hand quarter. It's like probability to win, tie, lose, or whatever. And it was just yeah. really interesting that even yeah. 15 minutes, they had these quants from Oracle or whatever saying, hey, we've done our statistical modeling on this you know, figure, hey, I don't know what it changes, but um, it, it's interesting to be able to see that you can use data and good data process, not just data, data to make a decision. So, you know, if we needed to sell using data and leveraging data, what would be the pot- biggest potential upside if you were trying to convince our managers and leaders to, uh, I'll use the word, invest in their data capabilities? What's the biggest upside for them and for their businesses? Yeah, I mean, there is real hard ROI tied to this. So Accenture and Click did a study a few years back on on sort of the top line market cap gain from being from companies that are more data driven than um, than companies that are not. And it's three to five percent, which, you know, on a let you know, call it a hundred million dollar company. That's a lot of money. <laughs> and and so that's one example. Um, there, there are other examples. Marketing is an area where um, there's significant ROI to gain from being um, more data-driven. Uh, typical marketing is it returns about a 2x ROI. So, you know, marketing obviously has to have some sort of ROI in general. And so for every marketing dollar you spend, you get $2 of revenue. Well, data-driven marketing is 5x ROI. And so those are significant dollars. Those are just a couple examples. Another one is more on the cost side, but most companies are putting tools in the hands of of their employees that are like BI tools, like reporting tools. 
to the extent that 75% of employees typically have access to some sort of reporting tool. Well, the problem is only 21% of the people actually know how to use it. So when you start thinking about the cost of putting a tool in 75% of your employees' hands, when the knowledge gap is about 50%, there's a lot, a lot of money being wasted there. And so we have, you know, kind of a calcu- an ROI calculator, and it's it's a significant amount of money, both on the opportunity side, the revenue side, as well as cost. Yeah, I love that because I was going to, that was my flipped question saying, hey, what's the cost of that? Because even if people see the upside, they're going to feel the downside more. And uh, unsurprisingly, you had good data to back that up. So for for our podcast listeners, you may not be able to see Matt's background, but he's got a couple guitars. He's got a bunch of sheet music. And when I was thinking of like, like, okay, well, you know, when you play guitar, I'm learning the piano. You need to have like chords, like before you do anything, you need to be able to play the fundamental chords. So Matt, what are the fundamental chords that one might need to learn as they are developing their quantitative skills that they would need to put in place as a foundation, two or three things that we could say, Hey, this is where you need to start. Wow, this is this is good. That's a good that's a good tie-in with the music in the background. A couple, yeah, fundamental chords of data of data skills. So we actually there's a term now that that's um, becoming pretty prevalent. It's called data literacy, and and so data literacy is is where you start thinking about that skill that we all need to have. And there are definitely different aspects of that. One is is just understanding use cases for data. To start using data more effectively, you need to understand how it might be used. And and so understanding use cases, like just some of the examples I talked about earlier, just using it in the hiring process, using it in the team member employee uh, retention process, understanding what's going on inside of the organization. These are things that HR can do without necessarily having a data analyst, you know, kind of team doing it for them. And so those use cases, that's one example. Um, certainly uh, data visualization, understanding charts, different types of charts, um, being able to interpret those charts. And a lot of us end up doing kind of what we're doing here is was we're presenting, right? We're we're sort of storytelling with data in some respects. And so data storytelling is an important skill typically across the enterprise being able to take an insight and then craft a narrative around that insight. And you might be trying to persuade an audience if you're in sales or marketing. And so aspects and elements of persuasion and using data to persuade an audience. Um, those are a few examples, understanding different types of data. So when should you use geographic data versus demographic data versus psychographic data? And that sounds analytical, but it's it's something that we should all consider as we're trying to answer questions with data. Hey, sorry to interrupt. It's Anthony here again. I just wanted to let you know if you're enjoying today's episode, I'd love it if you could give us a review and a comment to let us know where you're listening from. It means a lot to us. It helps us with the algorithm. It also helps us get into the hands of more people so that we can keep bringing great guests onto the show. So please do that. Also, if you or your team are planning a strategic planning offsite coming up, please reach out to us. We'd be happy to see if we're a fit to facilitate, to support you and your team getting on the same page and getting clear about where you want to go. So you can visit smestrategy.net or click the link in the description. We'd appreciate both of those things. Now get us back to the episode.
Mm, I like that. One other thing is as, as a manager. So I, I often say like a manager's job, leader's job is, you know, 80, 90% communication. And you need to be able to communicate to your audience appropriately. And by better understanding how to harness data and interpret data, then as you do your communication, storytelling or convincing, which is pretty much anything a human does on day-to-day basis, you need to be Absolutely. able to have the qualitative and the quantitative skills to build your not even just your story, but the understanding that it lands with the other person, because how I might explain something might not necessarily land for you. And and conversely, so a leadership skill of being able to get people on board, get the buy-in, but also understand the pain and benefit is, is super important. Thoughts on that from, from your perspective? Oh, I totally, I totally agree. That actually makes me think of an example of as a leader, you know, one of the things you're going to be doing in addition to communicating progress and how things are going is setting targets. And and so you're going to be setting KPIs for a team. And and I once worked with a uh, manager of a customer support team. And our our re- return or turnaround time on customer support cases was um, not what we wanted to be, not what we wanted it to be. And so they set a target to reduce the turnaround time and incentivize team members to, you know, close cases more quickly. And so about a month in, you know, looking at the KPI they set, uh, we were hitting that target. Everything sounded good. Everything seemed good. But then customers were complaining that it was taking longer to get their cases turned around. And we're like, what in the world? And so the dissat- actually satisfaction went down, <laughs> even though it looked like we were closing cases more quickly. And so what happened was as soon as you actually set that target for the team and incentivized them, they started closing easy cases more preferentially. And so because they could close them faster. And so guess what happened? Then the harder cases, which is actually the those are the cases that customers cared about more, as it turns out, sat there longer. But we were hitting the target. And so it's just an example of not using, not having that kind of general data literacy to think through what you're measuring and how it actually matters to the end customer. And so it's an example of just kind of kind of poor data literacy where we set a target, we were measuring against that target, thought we were being successful, but at the end of the day, we weren't actually achieving the outcome because we were using data incorrectly. And so that's just an you know example of a, of a leader, of a manager, you know, kind of and being able to understand how to use data correctly to improve the the you know, effectiveness of the organization. Absolutely. And I think it's critical that managers and leaders understand the strategic outcome. So not just the what, but the why, you know, it's because if you don't understand why you're trying to do it, then it just occurs as a goal. And it also, from a data point, understand like how you can get leverage towards accomplishing that goal. Because my suggestion to that was just like, well, just close all the tickets. And apparently that's what they were doing. You just close the tickets faster. You don't need to solve them. Just close them because you hit the KPI. But it, it drives behavior. And one of the things that I see a, a frustration with some people is that they hire people they don't have that like strategic thinking. They can't like process decisions. And so as much as it is, I don't know, maybe some people have it inherently. One of my colleagues is an engineer and he's like, Hey, you've got good problem solving skills. You solve skills like an engineer. And I'm like, yeah, and I was just scrappy being able to have that as a process that's repeatable so that you can develop the people in your organization. So I don't really have a question out of that, but it's just looking kind of like the application and the root cause of maybe it's the root cause. Why are people bad at using data driven decisions? Do you have a hypothesis behind that? Why that? I mean, I actually really love this topic. I, 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 I think this is the key to becoming data driven is being inquisitive. 
Um, and, and then, you know, so asking questions and then just getting better over time and, and you just start asking better questions. And that happens because you start asking questions and you start answering those questions with data. When you do that, you actually realize, you'll start realizing that that you're not maybe asking the right question. You'll answer that question with data. And maybe that's back to the hiring example. So we're hiring people and it's taking 45 days, you know, let's say as a cycle time to hire an individual. And so we're, we want that to be 30 days, it's taking too long. And, and so we start asking why. First question is why is it taking 45 days? Well, the first thing we do is break it down into different steps of the process. And so that's not the answer yet, right? So that's the first question, that's the first why. And so we start there. That's not the best question, but that's okay. Well, we start there and we answer that question. And now we realize it's actually taking a third of the time in this one step. And maybe that's actually where the manager gets involved and does an interview and we're waiting for their feedback. And so now we're actually digging, well, why are we, why is that process taking so long? So that's now another question. And now we're gonna answer that question. What's well, taking the manager five days to send us feedback after they do the interview? <laughs> and so now it's it's a now we're starting to get to the root cause. And so it over time, then going through that process, I to me, what that does is it actually starts giving you the insight to ask better questions. And and so you at the very beginning of that process, maybe we're not all great at like you said we're not intuitively all great at asking great questions and thinking about the end outcome, but we get there through a process and, and we kind of start learning by just asking a lot of questions and answering those questions with data. I think that's how people get there. Because like you said, you know, not everyone has that skill and it's a hard skill to sort of teach in a textbook manner, right? It's one you kind of learn by doing. Well, yeah, kind of like guitar. If you just hand somebody a guitar and say, hey, just play this guitar. Well, I have seen people play guitar. How do I do that? So as we get into 2022, companies thinking like, okay, great. I've got my strategic plan. I hired SME strategy to do my strategic plan. And we're trying to build our capacity in our people. Do you have a preferential approach on how to develop the skills in part? Because you can't just sit there for like three days and be like, hey, I'm going to be in a data workshop. Would you put people in a three data workshop or would you recommend like a a, a stage approach, like practice makes perfect kind of approach? Yeah, I certainly would prefer to to do the latter. Uh, One of the one of the truths that exists and we've all experienced this with learning is that when we think about, okay, I don't know this information, I'm going to go schedule this training. It's going to be eight hours. I'm going to have to find time to do it. And then I'm in that training. I'm going to learn and learn and learn and then take a test. And then I'm going to forget. <laughs> and it, it's, it's what we did in school. It's what we do in training. And so that just doesn't work. And it it's, there's plenty of research that backs that up. I mean, you lose actually about 90% of what you learn in the first month after that type of learning, which is not good. And so uh, a better way to learn is a little bit every day. Um, language learning platforms have been doing this for a while, like Duolingo. If you've heard of Duolingo, they, those, those platforms are focused on learning in small bite-sized pieces and learn a little bit every day. And that's actually the approach we have at QuantHub around data skills is it's all about continuous learning, learn a little bit every day, learn in in kind of small bite-sized chunks and fit that into the white space of your day. Like 
you know, right after this, maybe I'll have 15 minutes before, before my next meeting. And so why not spend 15 minutes learning? And then I'll do that again tomorrow. And it might be a different time tomorrow, but that's actually how you learn. And then remember, that's the key is that then in that type of learning, you can revisit topics and then you will actually remember those topics as opposed to learning them once and then forgetting them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things that I've seen from learning and development, especially, you know, you're probably not going to try to train one person on this is or develop it, not just train, develop, because I think that's a key distinction is that like as a management team, like making time for them to practice together when we do strategy huddles and we introduce a new concept. We do it in workshop fashion so that you can actually like talk to each other and learn from each other. But you have to have some sort of like subject matter to be inspired by or to go off of and say, hey, what did you learn here? How did this apply to you? How did, how can you put that um, in? Matt, as we finish up here, what's a question I didn't ask you? Like, what's the thing you're like, oh, man, here's like the coolest, nerdiest, obscure thing that's actually super fascinating as it relates to either data literacy, data skills, or even just people development or anything about the sort? Um, nothing actually comes to mind, uh, you know, super. I mean, there are plenty of interesting examples of data around us that people don't think about and they don't think about how data like my voice right now, because Alexa's in the next room and I'll be quiet so she doesn't chime in. But my voice is data right now. And and so everything around you, everything you're doing yesterday, if you were Cyber Monday, you know, when we're recording this, it was it's the day after Cyber Monday. There was so much data that went into the recommendations you saw and that data is based on you and your your patterns of buying. And so, you know, I just I like to think about that and and um, and kind of point that out that you know everything that's happening around us has some element of of data in it and people just don't think about it and so part of being more data literate is actually being aware of the data around you and how you can harness that data for for better decisions and so that's probably not um maybe the crazy cool thing you were looking for but <laughs> that's something we hadn't talked about I appreciate that. I mean, I think there's an interesting intersection between too much data when you're just like, you're just like overloaded with dashboards and you're like, well, like this is so cool and vanity metrics versus like, hey, how is this actionably focusing my actions on the things that I need to focus on um, so that it drives that? And then I think as a manager, that's why I like to say, just answer a question, just pick a question and answer that question with data. And that's different than getting every data point and all these dashboards. You can then start building dashboards that actually answer questions when you think about it that way, as opposed to just saying, what data do I have and how, how might I use that? Start with the questions. Yeah. And being aware of crafty employees that will manipulate data because you can have data tell <laughs> yeah, any any right. story you want if used incorrectly. And then if you're asking a question, a vigilant CEO needs to be like, hey, that's not the question I asked because they will ask a question and you'll say, yes, well, we have 500 visitors. It's like, well, thanks. That sounds good. Did it actually answer the question? So men do, women do. Numbers don't lie. So focus on that. Matt, where can people learn more about Quant Hub? Where can they connect with you? Where can they just uh, take part of your training and development and everything else you're doing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're at quanthub.com. 
we, you can certainly get in touch with us there. Um, I'm at Matt at, at quanthub.com. I love connecting with people on this, on this topic. And, you know, we're, we're happy to do just kind of consultative sessions, you know, for, for free on, on understanding your organization and where you are on that journey to being more, more data-driven and, you know, talk about different ideas and things you can approach, whether or not you use, use Quanthub to do so. Uh, we're just passionate about this topic and, and we're, a learning organization. And so we love to love to have those conversations. So I'd love to hear from anyone listening today on where they are and, uh, and where they're going. Awesome. And I, I think, uh, you know, just as a plug for you guys, I think it's one of those things that's such a journey and it's a set of skills that developed won't just be data analytics, but it'll actually run oh, kind of parallel as a grid to amplify, including communication, leadership, HR, marketing, every function will get better by data literacy. So Matt, thanks for chatting today. It's been a blast. And oh, actually, before we go, what is the sheet music behind you? I'm so curious. <laughs> it is timely. And in terms of this time of year, it's actually Christmas music from like the 1950s. So it's in an antique window frame that my wife, my wife loves this antique store. So uh, it's 50s Christmas music. It's pretty cool. Okay. Now I know. Perfect. Matt, thank you for joining us. It's, uh, I won't it's start singing it for you. I think that might be a different, a different podcast. We'll do it for the mixtape. Uh, my guest today, Matt Cowell, who is the CEO of QuantHub. Thanks, Matt. All right. Thanks. And everyone listening, uh, thanks so much for joining us on this episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. Do check out QuantHub. If you have any special requests for Christmas music from Matt, be sure to reach out to him and then be sure to like and subscribe. Uh, my name is Anthony Taylor. This has been the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And until next time. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Before you go, I wanted to make sure that you knew about our signature course that will help you better align your team and get them bought into your strategic plan. It's presented really simply that whether you're a seasoned veteran or brand new to strategic planning, it'll help you better understand it, it'll help your team think more strategically, and it'll help you better prioritize and set goals. Ultimately, it's going to give you a plan that you can execute successfully. Because you have no idea how many plans that I see that look good, but are missing key components to make them successful. And we cover all of those missteps in the course. On top of all the video training, you'll get access to all of our workbooks and access to our knowledge base and community. The course is only $4.95 and you can get instant access to all of the videos. Plus you can use the code podcast for $100 off. The course comes with a 100% money back guarantee. If you don't get value from the course, let us know and we'll give you all of your money back. So go to smestrategy.net slash course, use the code podcast for $100 off. And I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to support you and your team in getting alignment and moving your strategic plan forward. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next time.